Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hiring is challenging, and it used to be hard. Multiple job sites, stacks of resumes, a confusing review process. But today, hiring can be easy, and you only have to go to one place to get it done. ZipRecruiter. In fact, go to ZipRecruiter.com slash begin. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards, and they don't stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job. As applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so you cannot miss a great match. ZipRecruiter is so effective that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. Right now, listeners here can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com begin. That's ZipRecruiter.com B-E-G-I-N. ZipRecruiter.com begin. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Welcome back to uh, another edition of Believe in the Press Row. Uh, Jonah Siegel here in Seattle on a typical winter day in Seattle. It's gray and overcast, not too cold. And uh, very excited to have Zach Boychuk join us from, I believe, the suburbs of Calgary. Is that right? Are you actually in the city, Zach? Uh, right now I'm in the city, but I, I grew up uh, outside in a couple of the small towns outside of Calgary. So make the rest of us feel good. How cold is it in Calgary this morning? <laughs> it's I think it's about minus thirteen to minus fifteen Celsius. So I'm not sure what that would be in Fahrenheit, but <laughs> cold, it's pretty cold, it's cold. Yeah. <laughs> no matter how you, no matter what temperature uh, grade you're talking, it's cold. And uh, yeah, I believe exactly. the, so. The Leafs were just there. Did you get a chance to see the game, or did you go to any Flames games, or not your thing anymore? Oh, I haven't been to a Flames game in probably 15 years at least, like before I started playing pro anyways. but So let's um, talk briefly about your pro career. You, you, you played um, several seasons across several leagues. Um, I was looking this morning at some of your, um, your World Junior rosters. Holy hell. You played with an incredible yeah. group. So you were on the World Juniors two years, is that right? Yep, two years in a row, yep. It was yeah. the, the fourth and fifth gold medal that they won in a row. And you won twice. Yep, two golds. It's pretty cool. And the uh, the second team, which I think was in um, 09, you were, yep. the, you were an alternate captain. Yep, that's right. I was a returning guy, so it was me and... Thomas Hickey and Cody Hodgson, or Thomas Hickey got the captaincy and I got a, an assistant. And I think maybe P.K. Subban was the other guy. But that yeah, was pretty sweet. And that team was coached by Pat Quinn, is that right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Were both, were both teams was, coached by awesome. Pat Quinn? What's that, sorry? Were both teams coached by Pat Quinn? No, my first coach was Craig Hartsburg. And Pete DeBoer, actually. Oh. <laughs> Newsworthy this yeah. week. Yeah, exactly. Did uh, – I found it interesting, tongue-in-cheek, and it's, it's never fun when anyone loses a job, but I found it interesting when he was let go this week that they went out of their way to let it be known that he was terminated for hockey reasons, not for other reasons. 
<laughs> yeah, that's kind of the way the wording's going right now. <clears throat> I'm not uh, sure what happened in Dallas. It sounds like everybody knows what's going on everywhere else, but it's it's crazy time right now. Do you uh, do you keep in touch with a lot of the guys you played with? Uh, yeah, a decent amount. Um, not a lot. Like it's tough keeping up with guys when I'm playing in Europe and Russia and stuff. But um, we catch up a lot in the summertime when we're training together and and uh, hanging out in Calgary skating and stuff. So try and keep up as much as I can. Well, interesting you say that. I, I don't know about you, Zach, but I'm not a great sleeper. So let's just for one second talk about sleep. Okay. Uh, I'm sure you've heard about the studies from Harvard and John Hopkins about chronic sleep deprivation leading to depression, diabetes, obesity, all the good stuff, right? Apparently, apparently we still need eight hours of sleep. And one of the biggest problems, I don't have it, but one of the biggest problems is the temperature. And it's hard mm-hmm. to get good sleep if you're hot. Uh, have you heard yeah. about pod by eight sleep? I have not. Neither have I. Pod by eight sleep is a high tech bed designed specifically to help you achieve optimal sleep fitness. Fitness is something you definitely know something about a lot more than me. It was developed by leading sleep researchers after tracking 43 million hours of sleep. It combines dynamic temperature regulation and sleep tracking to enhance your rest and recovery. Also something that you probably know about. It, le- it learns your sleep habits and adjusts the temperature automatically. That means if you like the bed cool, your partner likes the bed warm, now you can both have the same at the exact same time. In a crazy comfortable bed, sleep longer and deeper so you wake up refreshed and ready to take on the world. Try the pod for 100 nights, and if you don't love it, they'll refund your purchase and arrange a free pickup. They're already sold out of their first two batches, so they're going fast. Great holiday gift. For a limited time, get $150 off your purchase when you go to 8sleep.com slash pro that's e-i-g-h-t sleep dot com slash pro but you didn't know about that because i didn't and uh i love a good night <laughs> i rarely get one no that'd so be what? pretty handy i know <laughs> i know my body's like a furnace so i like the temperature down to like 66 to 68 so it makes it tough on uh my significant other anyway well, there you go. Maybe we should work with the folks at Eight Sleep to get you a demo, and then you can come back on and you can tell us how awesome it was. Yeah, I might need to do that. <laughs> <laughs> so, what was it like playing for Pat Quinn? A, a big chunk of my audience is from Toronto. Another large group is from Vancouver. Two markets where he played pr- prominently. Uh, Jeff O'Neill talks about him quite hilariously on his show on Overdrive. What was it like playing for Pat Quinn? Oh, it was awesome. Like, like I was just an absolute legend anywhere he walks around. He just has this presence. He's such a big guy. And I think with us, uh, um, he was mostly kind of just the figurehead uh, with the, with Team Canada. And he would give us the great motivational speeches. And then uh, he had a great staff with him that would kind of run the practices, the drills, and do a lot of the system work. But um, actually when he was coaching us I don't even think he came on the ice so <laughs> practice but uh, no he he, he did a, a great job and, and everybody was pretty motivated every game to play that's really funny so you um, drafted by the Hurricanes 
came up kind of through the W sorry, came up through WHL, get drafted by the hurricanes, spent quite a bit of time going back and forth between the checkers, their minor, their, that's their minor league affiliate, correct? Yep. With a, with a, you know, a quick cup of coffee or, or a full season in Albany and then came back up to the Canes, a couple of games with Pittsburgh and Nashville. With all the things that you hear going on today in hockey, especially in, in coaching, um, that, that started in a complete unrelated term, well, as far as we know, termination of Mike Babcock, another huge name, um, and has, has led on to, I think Mark Crawford is still on the sidelines. Bill Peters was fired. We don't know what happened in Dallas, as you said. Um, You've probably seen it all, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Um, what's your take on the state of coaching right now in hockey? Like, Did you ever see some of the things or experience some of the things that these guys are talking about? I mean, it was the Carolina organization, so I don't know if you were there when Bill Peters was there, but I'm sure you're, you're in your 30s now, you're 30 now. I'm sure you've seen it all. What, what, what's your take when you hear things like that? Yeah, I mean it's it's tough to to see actually. It's tough to hear about all these stories that uh are going around hockey right now and it's it's almost kind of like a, a witch hunt. There's guys that are trying to seek out some families and some uh some prominent coaches and people that have been around for a long time and um I think it's there's positives to it and negatives to it. Um for me, like I never, I never really experienced the bad stuff when I was in professional. I've experienced, you know, garbage cans getting kicked at players and um, Gatorade stuff being thrown around when I was really young, like Pee Wee Bantam. But <laughs> once I got to the pro, it was, you know, pretty professional. Uh, even when I was in Carolina with Bill Peters, everything was uh, was really professional. And then uh, I remember at one time when I was sent down um I had heard some stories about what was going on in Carolina with Bill and um with the kicking of uh, Michael Jordan or whatever you want to call it and uh yeah like I I heard about that and M Michael Jordan was uh, upset about it there was a few uh, team members that were upset about it but I think uh Billy uh realized that it was something that he should probably shouldn't have done he came into the room apparently and apologized to the whole team and said that he had to be a lot better and i think since then maybe he has been but um obviously there was other things that he's done there's stuff that you know babcock's done and crawford and all these guys and now everybody's saying that the sutters uh, did some stuff like it's uh it's it's tough because I know a lot of these guys are really good people they're they're family guys and um back then it was just kind of the way of coaching I'm I mean I'm I'm lucky that I was never one of those players that was uh touched or abused or um spoken to in the wrong way because I'm sure there's lots of guys that wouldn't be able to handle it and um and it probably affected them so it's it's hard for me to comment on a lot of those things because I didn't go through it personally where do you think the line is between what's reasonable coaching encouragement if you will motivation 
And listen, I think we, we can, we all agree the minute the hands go on to somebody, you've crossed the line, right? Like we can agree on that. hundred percent. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. You can't be hitting people, kicking people. So, but so that's an easy test. Yeah. Um, we can all agree that using racial epitaphs or anything along those lines is also crossing the line. Easy. Yep. Yep. For sure. But there are, I mean, there's, there's been coaches in my life and I never played, but in my life who have been notorious for playing head games. I mean, Scotty Bowman was hated. Um, I, I heard, uh, I heard Brian Burrard talking the other day, promoting his book, um, talking about Mike Milbury. Um, yeah. I'm sure Barry Melrose, I've heard guys have some pretty hilarious stories about Barry Melrose. Um, yeah, Mike, Mike Keenan. Mike, Mike Keenan comes to, name, comes to mind, right? Like uh, John Tortorella now. Um, yeah. I but in- he's changed, I think. Like Tortorella's have had has had to adapt and figure out that it's not like it's you're dealing with young players now. You're dealing with a different, different or different uh, people, and the I think changed. a lot of these coaches are changing. A lot of coach of these coaches are adapting. So it's it's tough. It's tough bringing up stuff from people's past that you know they probably don't really want coming out. Right. So there's a scene, I'm not sure if you're into movies, but you know, the, the scene in, in the movie Revenge of the Nerds, um, where, where the one guy tricks the one good looking girl into thinking that he's his, her boyfriend. Um, classic scene. I'm not sure if you're familiar with it, but you know, made movie from the eighties, very popular that has come under a lot of fire recently for being rape, if you will. She ended up sleeping with him. I mean, I can't believe we're talking about this, but that clearly was acceptable then. Nobody really thought about it then, or certainly nobody talked about it then. It was a comedy. Uh, mm-hmm. That movie would not, that scene would have been cut today. That's no longer acceptable. So mm-hmm. there is revisionist history. Uh, we are now looking back at things that were, um, were acceptable then or certainly gray area then that, that clearly aren't today. Um, people are appalled with what Mike Babcock did to Mitch Marner, you know, having him write down on a piece of paper, rank the players on the team in order of work ethic from first, you know, best to worst, and then sharing it with um, his teammates. I got to believe that you witnessed things that were way worse than that in terms of mental screwing around with people's heads, but that's clearly not acceptable now. Right. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. So when stuff like that used to happen, how was that dealt with on, at a team level? I mean, for, forget the, I'm sure you, you played for some pretty interesting characters that had different motivational tactics. Um, mm-hmm. Anything, anything like that that you can talk about? I remember one year playing pro, uh, we had something very similar. Like, um, we were down in the minors and it was during the lockout year. So we had a lot of like NHL players, a lot of big name guys and our team was like absolutely stacked. And I think our, our coach brought in like 10 to 15 guys into the coach's room and it was talking about the power play. 
So we come in and um, he's like, okay, well, we're just going to do a poll here. Like, who do you think is going to be on the power play out of these 10 to 15 guys? Who's going to be on the first unit? Who's going to be on the second unit? And, like, he basically went through, like, every single guy and everybody had to, like, put their put who they thought. And every single guy's was different. So, like, it's, like, kind of like a tactic. They're saying, like, you know, this guy shouldn't be on the power play or this guy shouldn't be on the first power play. This guy shouldn't be here. This guy shouldn't be there. But like the overall message was like, we have a lot of really good players in here. It's the lockout year. Any of these guys could be on in the last, you know, couple minutes to try and get a goal on the power play. And that's, that was kind of his overall message. But I think it's a similar thing to what Babcock did. It's similar. Like, yeah, it's it's a little different talking about the work ethic and talking about um, a young, really young guy having to own up to a bunch of old guys. But luckily, they had a good group of veterans and they kind of all came together. But I think a lot of coaches use these type of tactics and some of them can go the right way and some of them can go the wrong way. Right. So, interesting. So, uh it's a uh, it's an exciting time for sports, you know. Sophomore sensation Lamar Jackson is redefining what it means to be a dual threat quarterback. Odds on Jackson to win the MVP race were at fifty to one to begin the season, have plummeted since. I wish I put some money on him at fifty to one, don't you? Um, yeah, no kidding. Making my bookie's prop selection more attractive than ever. On the fourteenth. We have one of the most stacked UFC last night, apparently, or tonight. One of the most stacked UFC cards in a long time. You into? Are you into uh, UFC? Um, a little bit, not as much as a lot of my Canadian friends, anyway. <laughs> so three championship fights, all highly anticipated, right in the betting capital of the world, Las Vegas, Nevada. Without a doubt, people are going to be looking to get in on the action. We have the best place for you to go, my bookie. If you're the kind of guy who likes to bet a little to win a lot, try a parlay. For instance, if you like a couple of the big favorites this week, parlays are perfect because they let you bet multiple games together for a much bigger payout. My bookie has more lines and better odds for the player than any other sports book around. If you join right now, my bookie will match your deposit halfway all the way up to a thousand bucks. If you put two thousand dollars in, you get an extra thousand in free money to play with. All you have to do is use the promotion code BLV, that's Boy Las Vegas, to activate this offer. Once again, it's promo code BLV to get your extra cash from my bookie. Bet, win, and get paid. Let's um, shift gears for a second. So you, um, you get drafted. Notably, you're one of the few, one of the select who actually played NHL games the year you got drafted. Uh, not a lot, but you did. So you, you get that. Um, tell me, what was it like? I mean, you grew up in a, a town of that's now 70,000. I can only imagine what it was when you grew up outside of Calgary. Um, you go to Lethbridge. Uh, what was it like dealing with the press there? Uh, it was pretty tame. Um, there'd only be um, probably two to four reporters out after the game and um, we would only talk to a couple of guys on the team and then the coach and, and that was that. And then the odd time you'd, you'd have to go in to studio 
for global TV or whatever. And, and that was like kind of the, the big stuff that you had to do, but um, it was, it was pretty good. Uh, everybody seemed to be kind of on the same page, kind of on the same team. And we had some good teams there and some bad teams there. And um, it was, uh, it was a lot of fun kind of getting used to, to talking in front of the camera. So then you get drafted uh, by Carolina and uh, certainly not a massive hockey market, but an NHL market. How did things change with media coverage when you got there, when you got drafted? Yeah, it definitely got a little uh, busier once you get to the NHL teams and the big cities and, and all that. And I remember when I got drafted, just getting some phone calls quite a bit Um whether it's like NHL.com or TSN or you go down to Carolina, they have their beat writers and their TV people and, and the list goes on. So it's uh, it definitely gets busier once you get to that level. And how did you incorporate that into your, your daily regimen? You know, um, first round draft pick hot commodity. Um, I'm sure you have your, your, your game day meal, your, your workout meal, um, et cetera. How, how do you build the media into your routine? And then, you know, after a game, good or bad, how, how do you deal with that? I think early on, it was just like, I, I actually really enjoyed talking to the media, um, going through, like I had a lot of, a lot of good buddies that I played with on the world junior team that had kind of explained to me like how they can be on your side and, and, um, we became really good friends with all the TSN guys and cause we'd be flying around to all these tournaments and traveling and, um, just talking with these guys, trying to learn and, and see what that side of the business is like. So I always kind of treated them as my friends. And I think if you ask the people down in Carolina that were doing the media and any of the people that have kind of been in contact with me, I've always tried to be really open and, and, um, and almost try and uh, be friends with the people. And after the game, I would, I would always sit in my cell for a while and be available to talk. And um, not a lot of guys uh, were like that. And uh, have you thought about going that route now? Uh, I, I, have you officially retired? No, I'm actually planning on playing in the Spengler Cup here in the next couple of weeks. So I'm skating every day, training every day, and um, hopefully getting a couple of games in with the team in Europe or the AHL, and and then I'll be playing in the Spengler Cup for uh, one of the one of the teams that are going there, and possibly Canada. And is the hope to try and get back into it professionally? Yeah. I basically just decided this year to just kind of kind of wait a little bit. I wanted to go back to the KHL or the Swiss league. And um, it's been a little tougher. Like last year I had a, an okay year. It was a good finish, like winning the champion championship in Switzerland, but it's been, it's been tough getting uh, any really good offers that I've liked. So I, I took a few months uh, at this beginning of this year to kind of, weigh my options and just keep training and, and get a little bit of rest. So what was it like playing the KHL over here? We've heard you know, some pretty laughable or tragic stories. Is it as bad? Obviously you've, you've just said you'd like to get back there. So it can't be that bad. Uh, what's it been like <laughs> playing over there? I liked it actually. It was, uh, 
it was a little tough at the start the first uh, few weeks, but once you get used to the fact that you can't really communicate with a lot of people, you have to find different ways to communicate with people. And I started out in Siberia, so I like I thought it was cold in Calgary. It's minus <laughs> forty there every day. So it's uh, once you get over that, you're still just going to the rink every day, practicing, and like yeah, you can't really understand what your coaches are saying, but um, you're still just playing the game that you love and making good money and traveling the world. So I liked it a lot. Good for you. That's uh, listen. You played three full seasons there, and then looks like you played a pretty full season in Switzerland. Um, yep. You are perhaps the busiest social media athlete that I know of. Uh, what's behind <laughs> all of that? I don't know. It, it happened a long time ago, I guess. Um, I never really wanted to get into. I guess Twitter was my first main one or Facebook or like any of those ones. But um, it was funny. I remember being on Facebook during the world juniors and just getting like hundreds and thousands of friend requests. And I had no idea who these people were, but it was (laughs) because they were watching me on TV at the world juniors. And then same thing um, when Twitter came along, uh, my stepdad was on Twitter and, um, I didn't know anything about it. He told me to get on it. And I said, like, no, it seems like like a bad idea. Like, I don't get it. And then one day I downloaded it and sent a tweet out. And I think I got like 3,000 follows or whatever the first day. And my email was going crazy. My phone was going crazy. So I was like, oh, this is pretty cool. And then I built up a following of like 10,000 people just when I was in Carolina. And then I think I got to Pittsburgh and all of a sudden jumped up to like 50,000. So then I was like, okay, this is kind of fun. And I started to enjoy it a little more. And and then I realized that uh, it's good to interact with the fans and you can actually um, make a business out of it. Funny, if you Google you, um, you, you Google your name, one of the first things that pops up is Zach Boychek followed me. I don't know why. <laughs> yeah. So what else are you yeah. doing uh, as, you, as you train for trying to get back into the game? Uh, yeah, just trying to stay ready. I have my trainer here in Calgary, and I'm skating uh, with a few different teams that are local here. Going to start skating with the – university team here next week if I'm still around and um, basically yeah just trying to, to stay in really good shape and um, and do the best I can that's awesome and uh, what do you think the future holds after hockey have you guys really not gotten that far yeah I'm, I'm trying to I'm kind of like thinking thinking about a few different things obviously I've I've played 10 years pro I'm 30 years old I don't know how many years I have left so I've been kind of thinking about different ways to make money and whether that's going the media route or um, opening up my own business the last couple months I've been working on my website for uh, like a fitness business so I've realized that there's a lot of beer league hockey players that want to learn how to work out and get faster so I've been uh, I've been helping people with that and um but yeah, it'd be it'd be probably something fitness related, hockey related, um, 
trying to stay into the game if I can, but um, yeah, I guess there's a few options out there for sure. Well, that's awesome. Uh, once again, it's Jonas Siegel uh, leave in the press row with Zach Boychuk. Uh We really appreciate you spending some time with us and uh, wish you nothing but luck in, in training and, and hope you go over uh, to the Spengler Cup. You get back on the winning ways. Uh, you've been successful for Canada before, so hopefully you get to do that again. And uh, hopefully that leads you to some sort of pro contract to finish out the year and, and even beyond. Yeah, thanks. I really appreciate that. Thanks for having me. All right. Well, uh, to you and your family, uh, happy holidays. Again, I hope things go really well. And uh, you can always catch us on uh, Believe at the Press Row. We're on all your favorite podcasting networks and on most social media networks as well. Uh, if you're interested in advertising on the show, you can get in touch with us. Uh, but for right now, that is all. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.